really big dreams demand really big sacrifices as well. So that's one of the things that's kind of kept me going, that saying. It's, um, I know at the end of the day, this what I want to achieve is much bigger than things I'm going to have to sacrifice. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines, and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. My guest today is a young British athlete who already has an impressive number of victories. As a child, she was described by Athletics Weekly as possibly the best 12-year-old athlete on the planet. Now she competes in the heptathlon and she holds 23 national age group titles, including the high jump and long jump. She was the youngest member of Team GB at the Rio Olympic Games and she made it all the way to the finals. I'm mega excited to introduce you to a young athlete who is sponsored by Nike and Red Bull and is already being compared to the likes of Denise Lewis and Dame Kelly Holmes. Welcome to the show, Morgan Lake. Thank you. Oh, that was amazing. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for that intro. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming in today. Reading about all of your success in athletics as a junior athlete is incredible, but I feel like the best is yet to come. You're just getting started. Yeah, I mean, like listening to that 23 national titles, I feel like I've been going for ages. Um, and tomorrow is actually my last ever age group championship. So, okay. yeah, uh, I mean, kind of, yeah, it's going to be the beginning of my senior career. Um, yeah. Although I've already done so much. So, so yeah, much. It feels weird. Exciting. And I guess, and you started at the age of five, right? Yeah. So who was it who first spotted that talent in you? Um, so yeah, I started at the age of five. I was always a really, really sporty kid. Um, so me and my brother did absolutely every sport possible. So we did tennis, obviously athletics, netball, football. I think I did taekwondo. I think the amount of sports we did was actually ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think my dad was probably the first person who spotted that potential. He was an athlete himself when he was younger. Um, and from the age of about three, he would tell people, oh, Morgan's going to be at the Olympics. Morgan's going to be a, a long jumper at the time he thought I was going to be. So, sure. yeah, he was definitely the one who spotted that talent. Wow. And you're you're tall now. How tall are you? 5'10"? 5'10", 5'11". Sure. And my height keeps changing. <laughs> and were you tall, like, are you saying about three, five, seven? Were you mm -hmm. taller than your peers then? Yeah, I've always been, I've always been a tall kid. So I think that's probably why um, I've, my parents just put me into sport. Yeah, gave you a bit of an athletic advantage. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've just had sports day at my son's school. It's Aww. a very serious day. It I feel is. Like, yeah, it's important. And it's nice that, you know, I guess having your dad, if he'd done athletics mm -hmm. as well, and having your brother as well. So yeah. did you always enjoyed it? You never felt like, I don't know, at that age, did you feel like it was competition or it was just mm -hmm. um, fun? Um, definitely just fun. I think um, in my family, we're a really competitive family. Okay. <laughs> I think literally my dad would make everything into competition, even just like tidying up so who can do the first the right. first like tidy the table um so that yeah that winning mentality that competitive edge just definitely ingrained on me since I was a child 
Amazing. So the physical talent, I guess, is only one part, but we know that mindset is also really, really important. And mm-hmm. I guess personality also plays a part. Yeah. So we heard then that you've, you know, you said competitive family and growing up, did you, I guess, how did you develop that mindset to compete against others? Um, I think I've been quite lucky in the fact that my parents were always really into kind of the mental side as well as the physical side of sport. Um, I remember my dad giving me um, the book The Secret to Team Power when I was younger. So I read that as <laughs> as a Bible from the age of oh, probably about 10 or 11. So I've always been really in, into like visualization and gratitude and just the other side of sport, not just obviously like competing and training as hard as you can will get the results. But there's also that other side where you have to be, you have to keep that mindset where um, you just kind of keep calm and yeah, those things like that. When I was That's super interesting because I think a lot of people perhaps start talking about developing their mindset and mm-hmm. their, you know, later on, you know, and I think yeah. for, for young people to, you know, for you to have been 10 years old and mm-hmm. to already be like, I guess, training the mind as well, yeah. you know, to deal with different situations under pressure. Like, did you, did that help you with nerves and stuff? Um, yeah, it definitely helped me with nerves. Um, I think probably going into competition I was always I was always going to have nervous energy anyway and I think I learned to channel that nervous energy into more excitement and use that as an extra push um, so I wouldn't go to competitions and just freeze and not know what to do I'd be like okay I have my training base level and then when I get to competition I've got this extra energy and I can just channel it differently and hopefully it <laughs> can help me in competition. It certainly has so far. <laughs> and so you mentioned about visualisation as mm-hmm. well. So talk to me about that. How did you, I guess, did you learn that? Do you still practice that now? Um, yeah, I'm not really sure if I learned it or something just came naturally. Um, yeah, I think it's a really, really important part of my training and just kind of like ingraining all the skills I learned in training. Um, like if any young athlete ever messaged me on Instagram and they're like, oh, how can I, how can I better myself in training and how can I better myself in the technical part and I'm like I can't really help you because obviously I can't see you competing I can't see you training but what I always tell people is kind of get a model in your head of what exactly what you want to do and just repeat that over and over and over again because obviously you can't be on the track 24 7 just training but I don't know what it is but I find if I was watch myself um, compete so many times over then when I get to that that stage I feel like I've done it I've done it before and I can can do it again yeah that's really powerful I've heard people Mm. describe that before and in a really detailed way as well so as you said it's like visualizing yourself doing something and sometimes you have to like I guess you know they say see it before you believe it but maybe you have to believe it before you can actually action it as well yeah definitely yeah so have you had any any mentors or any role models throughout your career so far um, I think probably my biggest role model and mentor um, probably Denise Lewis when I was growing up. I was a bit too young to watch her compete at the time, but watching back on videos has been really, yeah, amazing role model. And actually to have her, like someone to chat to when I was doing heptathlon was, yeah, really empowering. So. How did how did that happen? How did you meet her? Um, so I think it was through Sports Age. They had a campaign with Jaguar Academy of Sport and she was one of the ambassadors of that and just got chatting and she actually lived like near, near my area. So she'd come down and watch a few training sessions and chat to my dad who at the time was my coach. So yeah, that was, I think, yeah, a really great opportunity. That's incredible. Mm, yeah, really I didn't cool. know that actually. Yeah, that is just casual. She'd come down and watch me train, you know, <laughs> give me some advice. And do you think that having, 
having role models and mentors has been yeah I guess it's been really positive for Mm. you I think people are talking more about that now and like thinking how can they find a mentor or find a role model or someone to you know reach out to I guess Mm. now with social media it's probably a little bit easier do you agree yeah 100% agree I think um yeah now's like the perfect time to be able to you you just feel so close to sports stars and you can just dm them on instagram or on twitter and you can you almost feel a bit of more of an attachment to them because you can see them train whereas beforehand you just see them at competition you wouldn't know the hard work that goes into it beforehand so yeah I think that's really good definitely a good side of social media yeah and it's also really great I think for people following sport who are younger as you just said to see them in training Mm -hmm. because I know when I was younger and I used to watch the world championships or the olympics on tv it's very there's a long time in between do you know what i mean there's no athletics on tv for like a year or two and then suddenly everyone's watching the olympics and then it's gone again Mm. and as you said four years in between you don't see them you don't see what they do how they train you might not see it's just kind of i don't know it's an odd but in other sports i think maybe you you just it's more consistent yeah definitely i mean the only really um athletics you see is the diamond leagues and those are the top level competitions and say there's only like eight people in a field and obviously there's more than eight athletes (laughs) at a time in the world competing for each event so yeah it's really nice even for me as a competitor to be able to see what everyone else is doing um although there's also the negative side of that as I look too much sure yeah the spotlight and also looking too much about what other people are doing and thinking oh I'm not doing that in training why am I doing that so I've kind of had to filter out a little bit (laughs) yeah I guess that's the thing right so if you're just watching it for entertainment it's different Mm. but yeah for you now you can see I guess your competition yeah and um yeah watch what they're getting up to and it must be hard to not compare yeah yeah definitely um so my dad was my coach and up until 2016 and I think that was the year I took that year out for for the Rio, um, just like deferred my university place for a year. And that whole year, I just sent my dad videos on Instagram being like, I want to do this. I want to put this in training, this in training. He was like, Morgan, I've got your plan. I know I know you um, like I know how you train. I know how you compete. Um, Obviously, you can't do everything. So almost had to just yeah filter out and just not not take too much of a focus on what other people are doing yeah gosh and that must have been difficult too to really I don't know the relationship how close you and your dad are but to really trust him and Mm. go okay because I guess for him as well you know he obviously wants the best for you and wants you to succeed but I think that that dynamic I think would be difficult for a lot of people yeah I think I was yeah really lucky to find someone who was just so had such an interest in my sport and really really wanted me to to do well and I think I trusted him so much because obviously he wanted the best for me. So he was going to work that like extra hard to, to make sure my program was completely right. So, yeah. yeah. And how did you find the balance, I guess, with everything else? So mm-hmm. school and family and, you know, coaching and everything? Um, I think so. It was quite easy at the beginning um, until I went to secondary school. And then it definitely got harder. I obviously wanted to be with my friends more, um, spend more time with them and, I was just with my dad the whole time. Right. I did have training partners as well, which obviously really helped. But yeah. yeah, the dynamic kind of changed until I got a little bit older and just realised where I wanted to be. Mm. Well, that's something I actually wanted to ask you about because I know that nothing, or should I say anything that's worth having doesn't come easily. Mm. So throughout your life, what sacrifices, you mentioned then about friendships and stuff, but what sacrifices have you had to make in the pursuit of such great success? Um, yeah, lots, lots of that sacrifices. I think when I was at school, um, I went to boarding school and I trained outside school. So after 
um, dinner, everyone would like have this socializing time and all chat and I'd be out training and I'd really feel like I was missing out a lot. Um, so I remember, I think I was about 13, I went to my mum and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I really, I just want to be with my friends. Um, my mum was like, okay, cool. Um, that's fine. I'll just clear out your wardrobe. She's like, I'm going to clear out all your wardrobe. You might have to drop out of school because I got a sports scholarship there. Um, just basically t- taking everything. She was really calm about it. And she just put all my medals and all my all my clothes on the bed. And she was like, okay, cool. Um, you can basically start again. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> this is not what I want at all. Um, I think in that moment, I've never really questioned it since. Like, I've, really? Really, I've been really strong about knowing, yeah, this is, this is the path I want to go down. And... Like obviously really big dreams demand really big sacrifices as well. So that's one of the things that's kind of kept me going, that saying it's um I know at the end of the day this what I want to achieve is much bigger than things I'm gonna to have to sacrifice. So Wow, yeah, yeah, that's powerful. So do you think when she did that she knew what she was doing? Yeah, she completely knew <laughs> the fact I wanted I think I wanted an argument. I wanted her to be like, No, you have to go back to training. She was like, Okay, that's cool. And I was like, Oh, Oh, she doesn't even care. Um, but obviously, she really cared. It really upset her that I said I didn't want to do that. But at the end of the day, it was it was my decision. Um, mm. And yeah, I made the right one in the end. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. It's so tricky, especially I said, you know, I'm a parent myself and you think you want to push them and mm. you want to encourage them and you want to, but then you also, I think that's the, the fear of, you know, the pushy parent. Yeah. You never want to like push them and then, then be like, actually, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And you've made me do it. And it's, yeah, I guess it's tricky for a lot of parents to figure mm-hmm. that out. Yeah, definitely. But I know everyone has those days as well, right? Where you go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. No matter what it is, whether it's something you love or yeah. something you're good at. And do you think that for you, because I think, you know, natural talent and ability is one thing mm-hmm. and then enjoying it is another thing. Yeah, so definitely. I sometimes think which one, is the bigger driver for people. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you're naturally good at something, you're going to enjoy it more because you excel. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I had that debate a bit with netball. So I was quite a good netball player when I was growing up and it was like between netball and athletics for quite a long time. And although I was naturally talented at netball, athletics was always the one that trumped it because I was just obsessed with that. Like I loved it so much. Um, so I think that enjoyment factor did take it over the edge. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Because I think for people to figure out as well for themselves, sometimes mm. they think for young people, what they're good at should be there. If it's your passion, then it has to be the career. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And no, I think for okay. some people it's not. It might be that they have a career and they also have something that they're just really good at and it's mm. just a hobby. Yeah. So it's probably hard to figure out whether it's, yeah, go for it 100% full. But for you, it was clear. Yeah. Clear decision. Yeah, definitely. I think I've also had a lot of training partners who have been so talented and they've ended up dropping out the sport and I'm just like why why would you do that but obviously at the end of the day if you're not enjoying what you're doing you're never going to succeed in it ultimately so yeah that's definitely a hard, hard balance yeah you need both mm. so as I mentioned at the start you've already been compared to some incredible female athletes and you recently featured in Elle magazine you looked incredible Thank I you. loved that whole spread and you're sponsored by Nike so how do you cope with all of this all the things that are going on and still stay focused on the training and on your goals um yeah I think obviously it's amazing to be sponsored by Nike and Red Bull um and yeah, those are two huge brands, which I'm really, really proud to be part of. Um, so I think the things like the L shoot, I think being an athlete is a bit different to obviously like being a model. Um, so I think those days aren't as demanding as they would be for other people. So I kind of just go there and hope that, <laughs> that it's going to be like a calm day. I always do it on a rest day. Um, so to try and yeah, just enjoy it as much as I can. Really. Yeah, was it fun? Yeah, it was really, really fun. Definitely. You weren't nervous? 
You, um, made, you looked incredible. I was you? a little bit nervous. Right. <laughs> when I saw the clothes, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, just try and take it all in because obviously it's so different to my everyday everyday life. So yeah. yeah, just try and make the most of every opportunity. Yeah, great. And when it comes to focus and, and goals, mm. you know, if you're training, for example, for the Olympics for Tokyo and it's yeah. like years away, how do you, I know everyone has, I guess, training plans and cycles, yeah. but how do you stay focused on that end goal when it is so far away? And for anyone, maybe, maybe they're not into athletics, maybe it's yeah. a different goal for them. But when you're right, you know, far away from the end sometimes it's like you lose the motivation mm. do you know what I mean yeah definitely um so like we have the world championships uh, at the end of this year and they're in September October whereas usually the main championships would be in July August so at the moment um so I did the competition last week and it really didn't go to plan at all and I think I went into the competition thinking oh I've got so long until until Doha which are world championships um and then I kind of realized I need I need smaller plans I need small goals to get me to there because if I'm just thinking oh it's so far away it's so far away it's just going to creep up on me really quickly I'm not going to be prepared so I think making small goals towards the big goals the way to keep me focused throughout and yeah leading up to that big the big competition at the end yeah and you mentioned your competition the that didn't go so well mm. how do you I guess remain resilient and, and overcome like small failures as well yeah um the one last week was hard to get over actually um it was in the middle of my exams and when I'm in the middle of exams I think I'm just a bit over yeah my nervous system's just all over the place <laughs> um so I think the initial feeling I was a bit like a chimp reaction I was like oh, I'm awful like what's happened to my training um, I'm never going to be where I want to be and then it took me a few actually a few days to get to realize that no it's just a blip I was in a really hard block of work um I wasn't I wasn't actually physically ready to compete, but it was a diamond league, so I just thought I want to I want to take this opportunity and compete as well as I can. Um, so I kind of had to go back to the drawing board a bit, and then had a quite a breakthrough session in the week. And I was like, okay, I haven't lost all my talent overnight. <laughs> like one competition doesn't define where I'm at. So yeah, I just kind of have to get back straight into competition. So I've got another competition tomorrow. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to that and just. Almost, yeah, using it to get over the last one. Yeah, awesome. Well, I hope it goes really, really Thank well you. tomorrow. I think that's interesting because we all have those days. I actually mm. had a day like that this week. And I was just, yeah. And I think sometimes if one thing, you know, like you said, it can just be the catalyst and then suddenly everything else, you're yeah. like, oh, this is rubbish. That's rubbish. I'm rubbish. Yeah. Everything I do is rubbish. <laughs> and you're like, okay, you're being dramatic. It's just one thing. But I think for a lot of people, you know, they're afraid to fail. Or they're afraid yeah. that one one failure or even like a rejection, you know, putting themselves up mm -hmm. for, I don't know, a job or something. And then and then that one failure actually stunts them from ever going on further yeah. because they don't want to feel that feeling again. Yeah. As opposed to, I've talked about this before with like fixed and growth mindset, as opposed to people that they kind of take that small failure as like a fuel to mm. be like, right, now I need to do more or work harder or whatever. Yeah. But it seems like you've, uh, yeah, like you said, you've had such a like focused mind from the start, from such a young age. Yeah, definitely. I think... So I think it was World Youth Championships in 2013. I, how old would I have been? About 17, it was in GCSE year. And um, I was going in as a favourite after the day one of the heptathlete, heptathlon, I was winning it. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm, in my head, I was like, oh, I'm world, I'm world champion. I've only, got, I've only got three more events left. I can definitely get through this. And then the second day I got three no jumps in the long jump and I was completely out. And obviously that's everything I've been working for for, for years and years. And... I, for some reason, I was just, my, I was in floods of tears afterwards. And then a few hours later, I was like, right, when's my next heptathlon? And I think that's probably when my moment my dad always says that 
he saw that mindset in me because although I had something really bad happen, I wasn't just dwelling on it. I was just going straight to the next one. And I think I got the British record at the next one. So I obviously didn't get the championships. I didn't get what I wanted, but I got the second best thing I could I could get at that time. So, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) And so many people dream of becoming a pro athlete, you know, for so many people, myself included, I think at school when I did athletics Mm. and I did loads of different sports. And as I said, watched the athletics, watched the Olympics especially and just thought, wow, like it's the dream job, you know, but only actually a very few people can make that a reality. So for you, it sounds like it's always been athletics. I know you mentioned netball Mm. as well, but did you ever have a plan B or was it always this is it? This is what I want to do and I'm going for it. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I never really had a plan B. I think at school, um, I'd always get asked, oh, what do you want to be when you're older? And I'd say an athlete. And then my teacher would be like, oh, that's really cool. What else? What else? Yeah. And it's that what else? And I found that so offensive. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what do you mean what else? Um, is that not good enough? Um, so yeah, I think that almost like doubt from other people made me want it even more. Um, so I just always, always wanted to be an athlete. And I think I've just have, I keep going back to such supportive family who have always never let me think of like that not being an option. They've always made my life like geared towards that way. So yeah, really, really grateful to have such a great family and yeah, for allowing me to kind of like keep that dream and go, go for it. Yeah. And I guess their self their belief in you has has increased your self-belief because I think yeah. that is the thing especially if it comes from your parents who because some people's parents I think are the ones that say to them you need to have a plan B mm. do you know what I mean because yeah. they'll go oh football's a good you know or athletics is a dream but actually you need a plan B and I yeah. think if your parents are telling you that mm-hmm. then how would you ever believe in yourself to to go after it do you know what I mean yeah no definitely um yeah so I am I am doing a degree as well I'm doing a degree in psychology so I have kind of got a backup plan but that's yeah, athletics is always going to be my number one, number one goal. Yeah, take note, take note, <laughs> parents, because no, seriously, words have power, and I mm-hmm. think you know so many people are told to have a plan B, not just in you know school, but even later on in life. Yeah, and I think I heard someone recently say that if you have a plan B, you're never going to go a hundred percent in on your Agreed. plan A because yeah. you'll feel like you've got like a safety net. Yeah, Do definitely. You know what I mean? So, would you give that advice to someone else then, as someone younger than you who was kind of following your or or that you know that was their goal as well would you say to them just focus on that yeah 100 percent. I think with professional sport you have to be all in you can't have something that's at the back of your mind as well which is what I think I had at that competition last week I I was really I wanted to be in the competition back of my mind I had an exam in a couple of days so that was still lingering um so that's thing I've kind of I didn't realize at the time until yeah till now I'm like oh this this is the only thing I'm focusing on now so yeah I had 100 percent like say to any young athlete wanting to be wanting to go to the Olympics or further their career let that be your main goal and if it doesn't work out like the universe will like whatever plan you have after that it will all come together so just don't worry about anything else and just go for that that's great to hear and also you're so young so I think that's the other thing it's like if it doesn't work out I know you know you've got time to rethink and retrain and do I don't know completely do a u-turn yeah it's never too late right no no not at all amazing 
Okay, so I want to talk to you a bit about the Power Hour and about mm-hmm. morning routines, and I want to hear all about yours. So can you tell us, what time do you wake up in the morning, and what's yeah. the first hour of your day like? Um, so I really like sleep, <laughs> but I wake up, I think I wake up about 8 o'clock, so I start training at 10. So I like having a good hour, hour and a half in the morning just to kind of get myself ready for the day. Um, I will start the day with a coffee. Okay. Um, coffee and breakfast. I'm, yeah, a big a big believer in breakfast. I think I couldn't function for us today if I didn't have breakfast. Because so. it's coming up as a debate right a lot mm. right now. Have you seen that a lot yeah, about yeah. this? Like breakfast isn't the most important meal of the day and lots of people are talking about intermittent fasting mm. now and like not breaking the fast until midday and all yeah. that. So you're team breakfast. Definitely team breakfast. I think I've had days, so if I have a rest day, I'm sometimes like, oh, I don't. I'll have breakfast a bit later. Um, but if I don't start my day with breakfast, I'm just moody all day <laughs> um and is there anything that you try to avoid in the morning so anything that you think okay that's not gonna set me up to have a good day or maybe gonna affect my mood mm-hmm. anything you avoid um i try to avoid going on my phone first thing in the morning um i have it as an alarm um but that's about it so i kind of have it as an alarm and then turn it off um i don't really go through social media or anything um and then when i'm getting ready in the morning i'll like put the radio on or podcast on and just have yeah quite a calm morning rather than just first thing going on Instagram and just scrolling through and then just getting a bit distracted by the day. Yeah, and it's such a time vampire as well, right? You see, literally two minutes turns into 20 minutes and then you're like, oh, now I'm late. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, try not to do that. It's a bit different. When I'm at um, my uni house in Loughborough, I'm quite regimented on my on my routine. And then when I get home to my parents' house, it's like everything goes out the window. I'll lie oh, really? in bed, scroll <laughs> scroll through Instagram. Um, so yeah, a little bit different. But. That's funny. You'd think it'd be the other way around. You think about uni <laughs> students, and then when they go home, it's like okay, I've got to. But you're yeah, you have a nice relax when you get home, which yeah. is cool. Okay, and I always ask the guest each week to give the listeners a challenge, something mm-hmm. that they can do, maybe something they can try out, maybe in their morning routine or or any time really. So yeah. do you have a challenge for us this week? Uh, I actually I knew you were going to ask me this and I yeah. forgot what I was going to say. Well, I feel like because you've got we've talked so much <laughs> about your mindset and the oh, thing yeah. is I think most people would expect, or maybe I did with with athletes, that it's all about the the physical, you know, like training, yeah. training, training, training. But so much of what you've said today has been around mindset. Mm. So yeah, maybe a challenge to do with that. Um, okay, I think one challenge could be. Um, so like gratitude is something I'm really into. Um, I think maybe just like if the listeners every morning just thought of three things that are grateful for. I mean, they could be like the smallest things like I'm so grateful to have a coffee machine to give me energy for the morning. I just I think having something like that is really important. Um, it's like when I'm in the car, if I'm stuck in a traffic jam, um, I always think I'm so grateful to be safe in my car. I'm so grateful to be able to have the power to drive and just things like that and just completely change your mindset so you're no, not, you're no longer like angry sitting in traffic. You're just kind of like grateful for, for everything. So I think that's yeah, probably my challenge. Awesome. Yeah, it's all about perception, definitely. Yeah. And gratitude, I think, is super powerful. I tend to do mine in the evening, mm-hmm. but I quite like the idea of starting your day with that. I yeah. think that's really good. And yeah. I also get, um, we do this sometimes at home in the evening. I'll ask my son for three things. I'll ask Aww. my husband three things. Before you know it, you're like, oh my gosh, so many this things. Life is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. even if you've had a terrible day, I think it's a really great way to turn it around. Yeah, so definitely. yeah, starting your day with that list of three, I think mm-hmm. could be really cool. cool. Awesome. And tell us where can people find you online? Um, so online you can find me on Instagram I think my handle's Morgan Alexandra Lake and then on Twitter it's Morgan underscore A underscore Lake 
Okay. And you're very, which one do you respond to? Both? Yeah, both, but mostly Instagram. Okay. Yeah. But not first thing in the morning, guys. Not first thing in the morning. <laughs> Game of the evening. And do you share much of your, like, on stories and stuff? How much do you mix it up between sharing your athletic life and mm-hmm. then your, I don't know, your other life? I think I actually show more of my other life than my athletic life. I'm not one of those people who, um, has lots of like training videos that I post um, just because like my training group's not really like that. I think it'd be quite cool to have that, but I just always forget. I'm like, oh, that would have been a great shot, but yeah, people want to see it. They want to be <laughs> a fly on the wall. I know. But then, as you said, maybe then they're gonna steal your secret sauce. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So check it out on Instagram and Twitter. Okay, and my closing question, which I ask to every single guest on the show, is all about time. I know you've got a busy day, busy mm-hmm. schedule. You're training this afternoon, so thank you so much for no giving worries. us an hour of your time today. And I believe time is the most valuable thing that we all have. You can mm-hmm. get your money back. You can never. Get get your time back yeah so what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you um I think the most valuable thing time's taught me is that you do have time um I think when I was younger I was always used to think oh I need to do this today otherwise it will just never get done or if I don't um, win this competition then like I'll never win again yeah exactly I think time has taught me that like the next opportunity will come just got to keep keep working towards it and it'll happen at the time it happens Great. Thank you so much for sharing. That's good to hear. And I actually was thinking then about Usain Bolt. He had this, I think he's having an argument with someone about natural talent versus like late bloomers. Mm. And he was saying, there is no late bloomers when it comes to pro sports. He was like, show me one. And another person was saying, of course there is. So you believe that it doesn't matter. Like you have time. You can be patient. Yeah, definitely. I think I always look back to Jessica Ennis. I think um, herself, she says that she was definitely like a, a late bloomer. She was a great junior, but she just got better and better as she got older so yeah I definitely think I disagree with you saying there we go awesome (laughs) thank you so much Morgan for coming in and thank you so much for listening I really hope that you enjoyed this episode remember that you can rate and review us over on iTunes thanks so much thank you see ya bye Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.